Good morning. Hey, wow. Another fun morning here on at the Brown Residence at uh, 8.33, 8.34. Yeah. So let's see here what happened. Let's go over this. We got some fun stuff going on. So we have two weeks ago was temporarily locked out of Facebook for uh, unknown reasons. And then a half a week later happened again. And then that Saturday, I had a driver issue, uh, which almost canceled this. Uh, then I'm working on a, on a book project. And this week I had a keyboard die. And now this morning, coffee maker goes out. All right. Well, so sorry, I was a couple minutes late. Good morning. A couple minutes late, I had to make myself a, a nice tea so that we can have something so we can sip. I can sip along with you during this sip and study. <laughs> mm, it's all right. That's what. That's why we keep some tea around too. Well, other than it's nice to have every now and then. Mm. <laughs> all right. So this week is going to go one of two ways. Either it's going to... Uh, go relatively quickly and smoothly, or there's this optional twist, and it's not something that I feel like I'm going to do on purpose, so if it happens, just letting you know, maybe the Holy Spirit's working through it, uh, or it's something that's going to uh, cause some a little bit more in-depth going into it, but I have a feeling this one's going to go relatively quickly. Um, a lot of it's recapping things that we've already discussed, so we're going to look back a little bit. But uh, for the most part, it just goes really quite cleanly through. This section is is a pretty quick and clean section of First John. And we're coming up to the close of this. You know, this is only a 10-week study on First John, so it's starting to cool down just a little bit here, but I'm not saying that it stays cool. I'm just saying this section is a little bit cleaner and, and smoother travels. So let's get started on this, shall we? Oh, yeah, again, it helps if I... Uh, have my mouse cursor on the right part of the screen here when I push the button. Here we go. So chapter 4, 13 to 21, again through the ESV. And this is it. By this, we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have to, excuse me, so we have to come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love and whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. By this is, excuse me, wow, this is such a tricky spot right here though. By this is love perfected within us or with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment because he is also, because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother... Whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. Wow. All right. So hopefully 
I can speak better throughout this. This is what happens when I'm stuck without coffee for the morning. <laughs> so Godspeed to all of us, right? All right, it's okay. I can tell you, though, from the climate that we're all going through right now, it's especially if you spend any time on Facebook, it's really easy to to feel um, convicted with some of this. So, so stick with it. This is good. Conviction is a good thing. It's the spirit telling us we've got some stuff we need to work on, and that's that's good. Uh, we have to recognize that we all have things to work on. So this is okay, right? Okay, so this breaks down in two basic spots. We have 13 to 16, the proof is in the spirit. And then we have 17 to 21, which is the commandment of love. Okay, 13. By this, we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. Okay, so he's restating what he said back in chapter three. Remember, remember this is John's writing. He tends to go a little bit forward and then comes back and then goes forward and then comes back. And he retouches on things. And so here he's reiterating what he's already said. And what he said in 324 was, whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. And by this, we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. So very reminiscent of this. Okay. And this was ended. So this section is kind of intertwined. When we broke this up, we broke this up in this spot because it really does fit nicely as two sections, but it's really one larger section. And we just kind of split it right in the middle. And so this was ending at 12 when he was looking at the evidence of love and now pointing to the evidence of the Holy Spirit. Okay. So we, we ended up looking at the evidence of love. Now we're looking at the evidence of the Holy Spirit. Okay. And the mutual abiding here shows a fellowship, right? It's not just showing a one-time dedication saying, I know you, this is actually that fellowship and that full relationship between you or us and God himself, okay? So this isn't just a knowing, this is that full-on relationship. Now, 14, and we have seen and testify that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. And it's kind of interesting. And it's one of those things with John. It's kind of, well, part of it's the, the language translation. And part of it is the way he thinks. He jumps back and forth between we as in the community that we're, that he's speaking with and we as in a reference to the past, meaning himself and the apostles. Here is a reference to himself and the apostles. Okay, so he's pointing back to his personal experience and his personal time with Jesus. And he's saying, uh, you know, we, meaning the apostles, have seen and testify that the Father, Father God, has sent his Son, Son God, right, Jesus, to be the Savior of the world. Okay, so he's pointing backwards in time saying, I have this personal knowledge because I was there and I know this. Now, something interesting to point out with this is this is only one of two times that John uses the term or the phrase really, because it's a Greek phrasing, but the term savior. The other time that he uses this is in the gospel, according to John 4.42, where it says, they said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you have said that we believe. For we have heard from our we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. Okay, so this is kind of a communal saying to where the group is saying, we know. And so again, he points here 
This is, again, a communal, we know that he is the savior of the world, which is kind of interesting. John's showing that his own personal taste is to use a different, um, how do I want to say that? He, he tends to want to use for his own personal sake uh, a different phrasing or a different terminology for Jesus as savior. When he speaks of savior, he does it again only two times, both times, and it's it's in a communal sense, that it is a something that the apostles jointly agreed to use as that term. But then when it's John speaking for John, he uses different terminology. So it's just kind of an interesting thing to point out. 15, whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God, God abides in him and he in God. Okay, so this is this is good. He's he's giving us that little bit of, a again, a test and showing and saying that that heartfelt confession is an indication of someone's salvation. Okay. That's that's basically it, is saying you can know if someone's a believer if they've confessed this. If they confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him. Now, mind you, again, historically, things were getting better, okay? Things were getting better for Christians. They weren't being persecuted. Um, in fact, the, the Roman emperor at this time, if you remember way back to week one, I know we're eight weeks in, so it's been quite a while. It's been two months. So think back two months. The Roman emperor at the time, had actually told his people, look, just don't look for them for wrongdoings. If they've done something wrong, they need to be proven to have been wrong. You can't just come up with an accusation. We're no longer just going to take that and punish them and, and go to kill them. This isn't like when we were studying First Peter, where it was Nero's day and they were openly persecuted and anything that could possibly be seen as wrong, they're burned at the stake for. No, Nero wanted and hunted them down. Things have changed. Things have lightened up a bit. But that being said, it's nowhere near like what we think of here in the States today. Things were still tricky. Things were still rough. They were still a vast, vast minority, not a majority. They were a very small minority in the area. And so they were looked down upon and it was harder for them to get goods. It was harder for them to, to buy and sell, to work and to do these things because they were a minority. And let's face it, the world has always worked a little bit more in the who you know, not what you know kind of category, right? So it was harder for them to do things. And John's just making it clear, saying, look, nobody is going to come pretend to be a Christian if they, because in those days, uh, religion was a very, very big thing, okay? Not like today, whereas today, a lot of people think of it as almost a mockery. And, and the religion of atheism and agnosticism are so rampant to where they mock all other beliefs to where they might say things as a joke. In that day, in John's day here, rounding out this first century, it was very, very different. Nobody was going to confess believing in a different deity than their own for fear of horrible things happening on their belief system. So people were only going to confess Jesus as Lord if they actually believed it. And so he was saying this is, this is a continuation of that litmus test saying they're only going to say this if it's real and true. So if they're saying it, you can believe them because nobody's going to go against their gods for fear of full punishment unless they actually believe. And I think a lot of that still comes today. You might hear people say, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. But then if you kind of nail it down a little bit, well, do you believe that Jesus is God? Once you start 
sitting that down and you start pushing it down just a little bit and you want to define it just a little bit more, that's when you really start to see people change those tunes and change the color. It's really, really hard for people to want to admit that they believe Jesus is God unless they really believe Jesus is God, okay? Now, continuing on with 15, so he says that that heartfelt confession is an indication of one's salvation. Now, abides in this context, okay? So let's read this again. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. Abides in this context is an indication of that salvation or the joining. It is not necessarily the same type of abiding that we've seen earlier that John has spoken of, which is that deep relationship. Okay, so that deep relationship does not happen on impact, right? Salvation, bam, impact. Does not mean you have that deep, deep relationship, right? Relationships take what? Time. Okay, relationships take time. You have to build that, right? And it's a crazy concept to think that you still have to take that time with God. God loves you. He's known you forever. It's more on our side because we're confined to time, but it still takes that time and that effort and God puts that in on his side for us. We should put that in on our side for him. Okay, so this abiding is not necessarily that personal relationship depth. Okay, and I think of this, and, and to me, this is really showing an indication and a distinction that he made earlier in this chapter at verses seven and eight, which was, beloved, let us love one another for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not know, excuse me, who does not love God does not know because God is love, okay? So, and that is that distinction there between being born and having that intimate knowledge from the relationship. There is a difference there. Morning, Anthony. So I think this is another indication of that and his showing that distinction between the second birth and that progressional knowledge of the relationship that happens, that growth progress, okay? And then 16, we round this section up with, so we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. Okay, now this we have come parallels from verse 14, which is the we have seen. Okay, so we have seen, and now we have come, right? So we have seen this, and now we have come to the knowledge of. So no longer is it just we saw it, so we believed, but now it has transformed from mere belief into it's hit us so hard, and we've known this for so long that it has become a deep knowledge, okay? And we have come to know. So change over from belief. I believe when I hit that light switch, the light's going to come on to I know when I hit that light switch, that light comes on unless the power is out or the light bulb is dead. Okay. I know we've heard that one a lot, but it's it's a fair, it's a fair analogy. Um, so abide, something to keep in mind, abide in love. Abide is a verb. It is an action. It is something to do. It is not something to be. Okay, so to abide in love is to act in love. So if you're going to abide in love, you actually have to have love be your life. You have to live a life of love in action and not simply say that you love, but to actually do it. Okay, that is something that you actually have to be physical and intentional about. Now, 17, this gets a little tricky right here. 17, 
into the commandment of love. By this is love perfected with us. Let's hang on a second. I want to take a moment, pull this from the New King James Version, because while I love the English Standard Version, that is really awkward to say and awkward to think about and understand. So let's look at it from a different translation. New King James puts it this way. Love has been perfected among us in this. Much easier to understand. Love has been perfected among us in this so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment because as he is, as he is, so also are we in this world. Wow. It's still tripping me up today. All right. So the perfected love that John mentions in 412, okay, which for some odd reason I don't have that pulled up. Hang on. John mentions in 412, 412, uh, no one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love has been perfected in us. Okay, that perfected love that he brings about. Okay, brings confidence for salvation on the day of judgment. Okay, he lays out the framework here for what's coming up. And what's coming up is something that is taken incredibly out of context all of the time. And it really has been a lot recently. So we want to make sure that we're, we're doing this in context and doing it appropriately. Okay, so this perfected love that has happened in us, okay, brings confidence for us on the day of judgment, okay? Because as Jesus was sent into the world and his spirit is still currently in the world, God has not abandoned the world, but he's using us to work through the world, right? Okay, so we're still here and God has us here and he has us here for a reason, okay? And we are to have confidence in our eternal so that, we can actually live in action and do what we're here to do today, okay? Have have confidence in our eternal, and we're called to action while we're here. And we see this in his own thought process as well, or at least in his own memory, right? From Gospel of John 15, 9 to 7, which is Jesus speaking. Uh, As the Father loved me, I, have, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments... You will abide in my love just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no excuse me has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends for all things that I heard from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. These things I command you, that you love one another. Okay, so Jesus made it abundantly clear 
and man, I could go through a whole nother series or a whole nother uh, day of, of teaching just on that. Cause a lot of that gets kind of taken out of context as well. But the, the core of this, and I love how Jesus tells the disciples, you're no longer servants, you're, you're friends, right? You know, the purpose, you know, the point I've made that known to you now go and do this. Now you need to commit, follow my command. And my command is to love. Okay. So we are called to action, but we also have confidence in our eternal. And we use the confidence in our eternal as motivation and security to know that we're okay while we go and step out in the action, right? Okay, now 18. 18 is a fun one. It's taken out of context a lot. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. First of all, the second or the, the first portion of this, excuse me, the first portion is taken and pulled out. So you get an 18A use all the time. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. It is a beautiful sentiment. It sounds amazing. You pull it out of context and it sounds great. And it feels like something that we can tell people. And unfortunately, it's also used in a way that tends to push people down a little bit. Like, well, you know, we can use it motivationally, but then that person hearing it might go, but I have fear. Why do I have fear? Man, God's love isn't perfected in me. I'm not saved. Okay. And I say this, man, and this is a hard thing to to admit. Um, I say this because I've physically seen it as a struggle towards the last of days for a very loved one of mine. Okay. This verse beat her up and beat her up hard. We have to be careful with scripture and when we pull things out of context, okay? This needs to be seen in context. Let's take a quick moment, get our minds right before we dig into this portion. Proverbs 1, verse 7, the fear of the Lord. In fact, we can just do 7a if we want. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The what? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. It's also the reverence of the Lord, but still the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction is the second half of that. Okay, fools despise wisdom and instruction. Okay, we need to be careful with this because this verse, if you look at the actual surroundings of that first half of this verse, it is very clear and very, very evident that John is speaking specifically about the day of judgment and our salvation. Okay, when we take this verse and we section it out and we say, well, perfect love casts out fear, you shouldn't be afraid of the coronavirus. Okay, hang on a second. Should we be afraid? Should we live in fear? No, absolutely not. There's plenty of verses in the Bible that we can pull from that are actually accurate in that statement. We should not be using this one because that is not accurate in that in this statement at all. Okay, there is a need for a healthy dose of adrenaline and a healthy dose of rational thinking. Okay. Sometimes that leads on the little bit of a skepticism side, right? It's okay. John is speaking right here and right now about your eternal salvation. Okay. That perfected love. Okay. Now look in context right here. He's been talking about this perfected love from 412. He's been talking about a perfected love inside of you and talking about how sometimes we still need to 
not sometimes, but there are indicators that we still need to mature and develop in this perfected love and let that perfected love develop inside of us and let God work in us more. And some of these things are a sign of a lack of love, right? A lack of love on our own part is a sign that we need to develop that relationship even deeper with God so that that love develops and shines through us more. That perfected love casts out fear, the fear of eternal damnation. The fear of lack of salvation on the day of judgment. Okay? That is specifically what he's talking about. This verse should be used for absolutely nothing but that. End of story. Because it hurts people. When we pull it out of context, it's a problem and it hurts people. Okay? This is referring to salvation. Okay? The fear, and he even says it in the second half of this. For fear has to do with what? Punishment. Fear has to do with punishment. And that punishment is being sent away from God. Okay? And many will stand there and say, but, but Lord, we did this for you. And we did this for you. And did this for you. And he will say, away from me. I never knew you. That is a legitimate concern, right? Okay. So love perfected in us, which we saw in 14 and in 17, removes this fear, this fear of punishment, okay? Because we're God's children. We're part of his family. The fear of that punishment goes away. Not the, necessarily the fear of people being stupid around you, not the fear of driving and seeing a car swerve in your direction and going, am I going home right now with my whole family? Which happened this weekend. It's okay, right? But it's just one of those things that we have these fears. It's okay. It's okay to have something every now and then. But this specific fear is a long, drawn-out fear, an overwhelming sense of fear and dread that one's soul is lost. Temporary concerns are okay. That's, I don't believe that's what he's talking about here. This fear is a long drawn out sense of dread. This long drawn out, I need to earn it. This long drawn out, I'm not good enough. This perfected love inside of us casts out that fear of being lost. Moving on. Spent a lot of time there. Sorry. I think it's important. I think that is a very important verse to, to point at the context there. Okay. Verse 19. We love because he first loved us. Wow. All right. That's easy. All right. Look at look at verse 410. Okay. Same piece. Uh, we're going to look at 410 though. Uh, same chapter. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. I mean, we could pull from so many different verses we just saw in John chapter 15. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you. Now that specifically was talking about the apostles, but again, that gets taken out of context. Anyway, um, <laughs> we'll move on. Don't need to keep going through the context card. Um, we love because he first loved us. Now, this isn't necessarily our love of God. It's not saying we loved God because God first loved us. It says we love each other. We love man because God first loved us. Okay, this again is one of those things that just gets wrapped and twisted. We love 
period. That could have been the end of the statement. We love, period. Guess what? Because God first loved us, okay? God is is love, and he is the only reason that there is love in the world to begin with, period, end of story. So God, being the creator of all things, showed love for us, and so many people would say, just simply say, because he sent his son and, and died on the cross for us. Yes. However, he loved us so much that he created all things for us. He didn't have to make the world. He didn't have to make life. Didn't have to make animals. Didn't have to make water. Didn't have to make any of this. Didn't have to do anything. There was no other God holding him at gunpoint, making him create things. Wow, I hit a button here. Sorry, guys. No God, no other God was making him do this because guess what? There are no other gods, right? There is just the one in three persons. I know, confusing. He created this because he loves us. Okay, he gave us then after the fall a, a a way to show forgiveness and have forgiveness in those early sacrifices, and to show a representation of what was coming down the line with his son. And then yes, he gave us and he shows us perfect love by sending his own son or himself in human form to die on the cross for us. And we're told that in the future, it's even going to get better because not only do we get eternity, but he recreates the world in his perfect image without allowing it to be broken this time. But even that is a concept that shows his true love for us. He let us have our own way. What more love is that? We could easily have been his toys and his servants and we could have just been robots and do exactly what he wanted. But no, he gave us free will. There are so many different ways that show this love. And so this love gives us the ability to love out and give that love out. All right. And the end of this goes really, really fast. Okay. 20. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother... Whom he has seen cannot love God who he has not seen. Okay. Um, another big section here. Sorry. We're going to look back earlier because, again, he's he's doing this thing where he kind of brings back and goes back and forth a little bit. Uh, chapter 3, verses 10 to 18. By this, it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever, whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world, the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or in talk, but in deed and in truth. Okay, so this is a big theme that keeps wrapping its way through here. Okay, this this letter, this epistle, keeps having this theme wrapping through it, in and out, weaving in and out through all out of this. Okay, 
If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. That's scriptural. I was right there. Anyway, and that's pretty contextual. I mean, I don't know how you're going to take a lot of that out of context. Okay. 21. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Uh, John 15, 12, right? We already read from a giant part of this. We're just one piece. This is my commandment. This is Jesus speaking. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. And literally he's saying, this is the commandment we have from him. There it is. John 15, 12, the commandment that have from him, him being Jesus, that you love one another as I have loved you. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. Take away. Good times. All right. First, we see that John testifies that Jesus is the savior of the world. Okay. And it is kind of that communal, like apostles, we use this term. We agree to this term. John himself seems to like other terms, but he does admit and say and use that term here. So Jesus is the savior of the world. Two, there is a progression and a difference between salvation and sanctification or being made holy, okay? It is a progress. You are saved, but then you still get to be sanctified, made holy, and that progression takes time and energy, but it's good, okay? God's love being perfected in us removes the fear of ultimate punishment and or judgment, and I want to do that little note in there. Fear is not a sign like a, I should have, I should have rephrased this fear here and there intermittent fear is not a sign of lack of salvation, but a sign of needed growth in the Lord. Okay. But this perfected fear takes that overwhelming dread for longer periods. Okay. But fear itself is not a sign of lack of salvation, but it is a sign of needed growth in the Lord. Okay, and we are called to action. There's a portion for us to do, right? We're saved for a reason and a lack of love for your brother and or sisters in Christ, but also all people in general, uh, is a sign of not having a relationship or at least a right relationship with God. And again, another little note, a lack of love is more of an indication of a lack of salvation than fear is. And that is a little scary. Okay, because God's love being in us should propel us into loving one another. Again, I'm not saying that a lack of love on an intermittent scale, like having a, a struggle here or there is a sign of non-salvation. But if your life is revolved around not loving, you might want to have a little one-on-one -on -one time with the Lord and uh, do some heart searching. Okay, again, I'm not saying you're not saved but I would highly suggest that you take some time with God and you figure things out, okay? Let's pray. God, I want to thank you for today. I want to thank you even though my coffee maker is down and not working and I've had a few things happen the last few weeks, but it's okay. You're in this. And I want to thank you for that. And I want to thank you for everything that's going on. And God, I just ask that you continue to be with people, that you continue to bless people, that you continue to overwhelm us with your love 
and have that love outpour from us and have it outpour in ways that we don't even necessarily recognize things that we know that it has to completely come from you. God, help us be your light in the world and to continue to be and do your your will, God. I just ask that you can continue to be with people during this COVID situation. It's not done. It's not over with. Uh, in fact, in a lot of the world, some places are looking at closing down again because things are getting really bad again. Um, I also ask that you be with the the rioting situations um, and everything that's going around in our country, Lord, that you, God, you created all people. You created all color. God, and I... Help us all open our eyes with your eyes and see people the way that you made people and love people the way that you love people. God, protect people throughout these rioting times and and everything that's going on. And God, just have this be a time that while it's nasty and horrible and dangerous, have the outcome of this be your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well, hey, I want to thank you guys so much. Sorry I was struggling reading a couple times there. And uh, man, I can really feel the difference of the tea versus the coffee on my throat. So it's a little fun, but it's okay. It was a good study. It's a good day. Um, Hope you guys all have a fantastic day. Try to stay dry out there and we will talk to you next week. Bye-bye.